Real estate investment is a really popular topic on this podcast, and I'm pleased to bring you today real estate investor V. Lee, who's flipped over 150 properties and is now growing a large portfolio of short-term rental properties. Listen in. This is the Vacation Rental Success Podcast, keeping you up to date with news, views, information and resources on this rapidly changing short-term rental business. I'm your host, Heather Bayer, and with 25 years of experience in this industry, I'm making sure you know what's hot, what's not, what's new and what will help make your business a success. Well, hello and welcome to another episode of the Vacation Rental Success Podcast. Super happy as ever to be back with you and enjoying the start of this new year, enjoying 2020 already. How many of you set resolutions? Do you do New Year resolutions? I I gave that up years ago. The old, I'm going to go to the gym three times a week. (laughs) Yeah, it's... Well, for me, it doesn't last. If I set that goal in July, I'm going to run three times a week. That's a little bit of a different matter. The whole New Year resolution thing is it it just it doesn't work for me. However, setting goals is another thing. And I have a goal this year of looking, not necessarily doing, but really exploring investment in property again. It's been a few years since I bought a property uh, for short term rental probably five years now and I have sold my entire portfolio and I miss it. I miss having a property that I can manage, you know, one all of my own. I'm stepping back from active and operational management in my property management company, you know, leaving that to, to my team to do. So, giving me far too much time on my hands, really. So I am looking at possibly purchasing another property. Do you know the big thing is, is that my husband is editing this and I haven't told him this yet. So I'm just watching this space as he gets to this point in the edit. And I, and I hear this, Heather, what is this? Is this, is this for real? We shall see. I, I'm, you know, I'm just something I'm exploring. I'm, I'm thinking about somewhere exotic again, <laughs> but this time like Costa Rica, I would love to buy a property in Costa Rica and rent it and then use it at certain times. Just exploring at the moment, that's all. But I know that property investment is a a great topic and it is the, the few episodes that I've done on it have had the most downloads ever. People are interested in this whole topic, where to invest, what to invest in, what you need to look at in terms of regulations and legislation and market demand. You know, is, is, there, is there a demand still? Some people are saying that certain parts of this country, of, of the US, are reaching saturation. Is there a market in there for you? So I was so delighted when I was in New Orleans back in 2019 at the VRMA conference and a lady came up and introduced herself to me as V. Lee and she said that she was a real estate estate investor and she was looking to purchase short-term rental properties not to then manage other people's, but to create her own portfolio. And we got talking and I looked into her background and this lady is a powerhouse in in terms of real estate investment. So I wanted to bring her to you to 
let her tell you about her strategies for property investment, what she looks for in a property, what she looks for in a location, the the things that she considers before making that purchase, and then how she goes about preparing them for rental, how she manages them, and how she keeps this ever-growing portfolio in check. So without further ado, let me move on over to my interview with V. Lee. Okay, so I'm super excited to have with me today V. Lee uh, from the website RE Ballers. And V is going to tell us all about investing in real estate for the short-term rental business. And I'm so excited about this. Thank you, V, so much for joining me. Yes, Heather. Thank you so much for inviting me. Uh, it's, it's really an honor to be here. Uh, I'm so excited. This, it's a bit cold this morning, um, but uh, I'm, I'm super, super excited and super excited about what we're going to talk about today. Excellent. Well, I was excited when you know you came up and introduced yourself when we were in New Orleans because I absolutely love that. And we got. I was. I was just so immediately interested in what you did because there's so many people out there thinking, well, I'm just going to buy a house or a condo, but you are taking it to the next level. And that to me is super exciting because I think you're going to inspire and motivate a lot of people. So V, tell me a little bit about, you know, how you, whereabouts you are for a start and how you started in the real estate business, because it wasn't in short-term rentals to start with. No, no. So uh, I am in the Houston and Austin market, and uh, I've been um, in real estate for five and a half years now, flipped over 150 houses, and it, it was an interesting journey for me. Uh, I started from another, you know, I was in another business, and I was working 24-7, and what caused the change was I had a baby, and at that time, I was forced to rethink my lifestyle and rethink of what I'm going to do. I can't be working 24-7. And so the uh, real estate opportunity presented itself. And, uh, and you know, I dive in and just really, really love it. And uh, because of that, because of what it has done for me, I founded the RE Ballers. And if you uh, don't know, it, RE Ballers stand for Real Estate Ballers. It's a community of real estate investors from new to experienced. And our mission is just to connect like-minded individuals for a common goal of financial freedom. Well, that's a great goal for anybody. I just wanted to just go back a bit. You flipped more than 150 properties in five and a half years. How how does that work? Just, just briefly, how, because I remember wanting to get into this about 10 years ago. Missed the, I probably missed the boat a little bit, but. And, and it just seemed like so much hard work to do one. It is. It is. <laughs> uh, it is a lot of work. So, you know, there's TV show and classes and talk show and, and it, it makes it look really easy, but it's not. You've got to have system in place and, you know, have a good team of people to help. And, and I'm thankful for my support system. I'm very fortunate that I have a very, very good support system Otherwise, I wouldn't uh, be able to to do that that volume in that short period of time. So, so you went from flipping into holding on to properties with a long term rental property portfolio. Tell us a bit about that and what made you pivot from that into our short term market. 
so uh, it's a natural transgression. You know, anyone that, who started out with flipping like I did is, is uh, we build up uh, the capital, the reserve, right? And then we get to where we don't want to work as hard anymore. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and, and holding on to property is the way to go. So for, for short-term rental, for me, I, I, just like many other um, that I've heard, uh, I got in it by accident, right? I started, it started several years ago when I um, bought a house in Galveston. And uh, it was like love at first sight, you know, I w- walked up to the property and I said, oh, my God, I just want to keep this home. <laughs> so I didn't let it go. I kept it uh, um, and, and I hired a company to manage it at that time. And uh, we had a lot of family, family and friends over, uh, I mean, to stay over the year. Um, anyhow, so that was the first one. And then how I got started. Really, is I, I give credit to the second property. This is a, a special one because it was one that it, it just wouldn't sell. I mean, it was priced right, a great location, and gated community, and and with you know highly educated neighbors. Maybe that's the educated neighbors, you know. I don't know. <laughs> but the home just wouldn't sell, um, and I tried to rent it out, and it just wouldn't rent. So then I heard about corporate rental. So I said, okay, let's furnish it, right? Furnish it, and then um, let's list it on the site. And it still wouldn't rent. And I said, well, what the heck? Let's Airbnb it. And I'm, you know, <laughs> I was, I didn't know about the whole world of uh, short-term rental at that time. You know, I just knew Airbnb. Yeah. So um, that was one of the best decisions that uh, that I've made from that point on. Was you know, turn that property into short-term rental, market it, and here's the kickers, right? So I couldn't sell the home, couldn't rent it for thirty-two hundred a month. And the minute we turned it over to Airbnb and HomeAway, it was generating about five thousand to fifty-five hundred a month on a, a rent revenue. So when we did our uh, P&L report, you know, it was like let's buy more homes like this, right? <laughs> and I was sold. <laughs> So that started you on the path of of short-term rentals because I've seen reports before, people have written articles before about, you know, the, the, the differences between long-term rental and short-term rental. And with long-term, of course, you, you've got risks, but the actual business of operating a long-term rental is very different from the business of operating a short-term rental. So how do you feel that the two, the long-term and short-term, what about the differences between them? How does short-term rental work for you when there is so much more operational work involved? I think you hit it right there and, and there's so much more work involved. And that was where I was, that was what blinded me for so many years. The thought of like, it seems so complicated and so time-consuming in the short-term rental, I mean, it's 24 24-7. And I think you even said it's not it's not real estate, it's not landlording, it's an entirely different business, it's hospitality. So I think for that, it uh, deter a lot of people from getting into the space. And then you constantly got to worry about occupancy, you know, which long term you have 100% occupancy virtually, right? Mm-hmm. When you sign a 12 monthly, it's 100% occupancy. With short term, you got to constantly try to drive that occupancy rate up. So that's that, but but I think there's many uh, benefits to short-term rental. And the, the one of the obvious benefits that I mentioned in many of my uh, presentations is the cash flow. 
Mm-hmm. It's huge. I'll give you an example. So an investor, I mean, potentially an investor can get two, three X over long-term rental. So a home that can rent. So the example is a, a home that can rent for a thousand a month on a 12 month lease, right? That same home could generate 2000 to 3000 per month on a short-term lease. I can see, I can see that. But how how do you? This takes me to my next question, really. Which what what actually makes a good short term rental? Because you must have to look at so many factors, such as you know the competitive level, supply demand, seasonality. What do you look at when you're looking at, uh, at the uh, potential of a new property? So it's all about return on investment. <laughs> the the better the returns, the better the investment. So, uh, yes, I do a lot of comparison between short-term and long-term. I read a uh, blog from Vacasa uh, a couple weeks ago about top 20 cities for, mm-hmm. for uh, vacation rental, and they use cap rate to determine, you know, the, uh, which one makes the, make to the list. See, I graduated from University of Houston, and I like simple math. Cap rate just seems really complicated. <laughs> I'm, gl- I'm glad you say that because I've been grappling with this for, for, for years, you know, really trying to understand it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, everyone defines cap rate differently, right? So it's so loosely defined. It's just so complicated. So for me, we, we, I'm looking at cash flow. Cash flow today and then how how am I going to look, you know, uh, down the line in the future? So in, in the long-term rental, right, most investors uh, would look for a 200 to $300 uh, of cash flow per, per property per month. And if you can cash flow 500 per month on a long-term rental, you're in great shape. And, and that is super rare, by the way, in today's market. So back to your questions on how to, to make a good investment. I think the key to obtain really good cash flow or return on your investment is the location of the property. Mm-hmm. It depends on where you are, whether you in urban area or uh, snow country or beach destination. I am in urban area, so we don't have too much of seasonality. I specifically look for homes close to downtown, hospitals, university, sports stadiums, and major attractions. So, for example, we in Houston, um, we have the NRG Stadium and the uh, uh, Minute Maid Park. So those are good locations. And not only that, with this opportunity, the short-term rental present a really unique opportunity. So what I mean by that is this. I, I like to give example when I talk. So you have a property that is a Class A property, right? And and it's a, it's located in a high, located in a high appreciating area. But your your long term rent does not match, so it will produce a negative cash flow. Now that same home, if you rent it out short term, you're very likely to produce a really good positive cash flow. And because of this unique opportunity, it allow me to buy a new class of property that I am no longer in the negative negative cash flow now. Right? I can be in the positive cash flow today, meaning that that the revenue is enough to cover my, I mean, it's more than enough to cover my uh, expenses. Mm-hmm. And then 10 and 10, 20 years from now, I can cash in, you know, from the uh, selling those property. Yeah. So this is a unique opportunity where we couldn't have done it with the, the long-term rental. 
Oh yeah, absolutely. I, I I like it when you're you're talking about you know sourcing a property and looking at what's in the area, looking at particularly sports stadiums, sports stadiums that that have maybe year round events, and then you've got this and hospitals, of course, you've got this constant movement of people um, on a short term basis. Um, same with and I, I love the idea of college towns too. parents are already always visiting their kids. I've noticed that my my sister visits her granddaughter at college maybe three or four times a year. And you multiply that by all those students and you've got this constant influx of people at not not just you know in, in in a traditional sort of traditional seasonal market, but throughout the year. So that excites me when I'm when I'm thinking about um, an investment property, and I'm sure it 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 does you. So are all your properties in? I mean, you you have two markets, um, Houston and Austin. So do you have short term rentals in the Austin market as well? I don't have any in Austin today. Austin is where you require to have a permit to yeah. have short-term rental. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was going to be my in, another question. You know, the challenges that investors face when they're sourcing a property in an urban area. I mean, one of them is is clearly legislation and regulations. So, and I, and I know about Austin regulations. What about Houston? Yeah. So yes. Uh, yeah, you got you got ahead of me. <laughs> uh, the, yeah, so I think the biggest challenge in in sourcing a, a property uh, is is the local municipality and the, we we have the, what we call the HOA, a homeowner association. Mm-hmm. And God, I mean, they are strict. There are many uh, little uh, homeowner associations in Houston that do not allow short term rental at all. Or, or, you know, if they did at one point, they, they, they changed the bylaw so that way they no longer allow short-term rental. And, and as an investor, um, you do have to look at those carefully because, you know, once they make that change, it normally becomes effective right away. And you, as an investor, can suffer from your finan- from financial loss, you know, for breaking contract with utility, cable, internet companies, and then having to cancel all your future bookings. So I'm very passionate about this uh, particular topic, Heather. So I'm trying to get the group of hosts or, you know, investors together in Houston and see if we can uh, start what um, the lady Megan McRae in uh, Tennessee did for yeah. Houston area. Uh, absolutely. Megan is that powerhouse of, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> under, the, under the umbrella of legislation regulations because the stuff that she's done with Nastra in, uh, in Nashville is, is just amazing. And, uh, and it's, she works at it tirelessly. So yeah, if you can create something in Houston, that's, that's modeled on what Megan's done in Nashville, I can see that being super helpful to, uh, to hosts and, and owners and managers, of course. Yeah. And, you know, the other challenges that we face are finding lenders. There are only a handful of lenders who would finance short-term rentals. Uh, I don't know if many people know that. So uh, I happened to have dinner with one last week, and I'm, I promise I'm not getting any money for mentioning it, but I know <laughs> it's harder to find one. Um, so Linden Home is one that would finance a short-term rental, and VZO is another. Uh, and then you have to check out your local area to see if anyone would finance your um, property for you. 
Yeah. Um, Please, let's, uh, yeah, let, let's send me those links and we'll get them on the show notes. And so, so what was that first one called? Lending Homes. Lending Homes. Okay. So, so yes, we'll put that on the show notes. So if anybody out there is listening and wants, you know, I'm, I'm sure you've got that question. How is V financing these properties? Then um, we, we're, we're giving you some information on that in terms of, of, of some links. So that's fantastic. What other challenges do investors face? Oh, you know, you know what's coming, don't you? Finding a good management company. <laughs> yes, because I, I was going to say you you cannot be out there doing all this management yourself. So you're 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 out looking for property management company to take care of them. Well, believe it or not, so I yes, yeah, so when I started off, I hired a company to manage them, and in Houston though, I couldn't find anybody. Mm. There's, there's nobody like you in Houston. <laughs> you have company like Saunders and that, but I don't believe they manage um, homes. Mm-hmm. So I sort of I created a management company out of necessity. Yeah. Just because we couldn't find any. And, and you know, we do, there are super hosts here and there, but yeah, nobody operate like, like your level. So, so, so you, that, that's another challenge. So you're operating your own management company? Yes, ma'am. Oh, that's, that is perfect. I love to hear that because, you know, independent property managers, I think, are the best, particularly when you're on the ground. You know your area, you know the location, you know how to not just manage the company operationally, but from a customer service and guest perspective, too. Yeah, I think it's wonderful because I I get to, I think the challenge that you guys have is a lot of times you have to con- convince the owner to do certain things. Yes. Um, you, you know, yes. <laughs> for, for me, for us, uh, we know what we need to do so that so that the property can generate revenue. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you're just telling yourself what you need to do. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's a financial decision most of the time. Yeah. And I personally love the hospitality, uh, being hospitable. So, so that's, that's something, this is why this fit my personality so greatly. Um, so I've always loved to cater people and just, you know, host friends and things like that. And, and so as a, a management company, I want to make sure that I solve all the problems for the guests and make sure the guests are comfortable and enjoy their stay. So it's kind of perfect. It's unusual though, V, that, that your property management company is managing properties that are all solely owned by you. So you're not managed at the moment. You're not managing third party properties, right? Correct. Are you, is that something you might plan to do in the future? You know, I might. Because <laughs> <laughs> you I never might. know. You never know. Once this once once this podcast is broadcast, you might just pick up on a few people in Houston saying. No, I can't find a management company either. So <laughs> you may be hearing from them. Yeah, I might. I've talked to some, but, you know, like I said, when I went to VRMA and, and just saw how much out there and, you know, what's all out there and all that, and I realized that I really don't know as much as I thought I did, you know? <laughs> so <laughs> I just love the opportunity Um just so many things. It's, it's so wonderful. Well, you, you were really embracing this fully. You know, you're out there learning and soaking up all this information. So it's interesting that last week I was talking to Andrew McConnell of rented.com. And, uh-huh. you know, we were talking about 
what's what's going to make a manager a property manager successful in 2020 and beyond you know the next decade what's because things are changing all the time and they just you know we're in constant change and he said managers have to take maybe up to 20% of their time and get their heads out of the ground and look up and around them and see what's going on and listen to what's happening in the marketplace because i think you know and i i put myself wholly out there and say we we were we haven't been in the past really listening to the marketplace we just sort of slog on and do same old same old thing all the time and then something will come up out of the blue maybe it's a regulation or legislation maybe it's a change in an ota algorithm or maybe um, airbnb gets their ipo and everything changes you know because then they're then they're going to be answerable to their shareholders and things will change so if a property manager is not sitting up and look and learning exactly the way you are um andrew said that that is going to be possibly the biggest reason for a downfall of a property management company I do agree with you on that. I think this is such an exciting time because there's so much, you have new money coming into this this space, right? Mm -hmm. You have new, like it's getting the attentions that it never did before. Yeah. And so there's just so many things that it's constantly changing and you either have to change with it or it's going to push you out. Yes, and being up to date on what's going on is is the only way of finding out what what's potentially going to be changing. I mean, regulations is just is is one of them. It's probably one of the primary ones that it's it's easy to for for some management companies to sit out there and say, well, you know, it's not affecting me now. It's it, I I don't think it's going to happen. Um, and as Andrew said, he said it's going to happen to everybody everybody's going to see this happen. So being nimble and ready to pivot is is really, really important for every company out there. So you talked about going to VRMA. That, that really sort of opened your eyes as to the scope of the industry. I mean, I know that, I mean, that, that, that exhibitor hall in New Orleans was just monumental, wasn't it? Yes. This is what I know, just from way beyond, you know, when I started real estate. It's, you can't do it alone. And, and the, the, the sooner you connect yourself with successful people, the sooner you can be successful. Mm-hmm. And so I always believe in networking events, uh, attending uh, summits and, you know, whatever I can learn, you know, I mean, that's where I met you, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'll never forget it, uh, Heather. <laughs> I, I was sitting there having lunch uh, and, and there you were walking in. I mean, that was a sign. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, so I've hosted events myself locally. And I attended several events, and I'll tell you that if it wasn't for those connections I've made uh, going to these events, I wouldn't be where I am today. And um, I'll, I'll do what I can to travel where I can to learn. I, I think in 2019, I've, I've traveled, I feel like I've traveled at least once a month or sometimes even twice a month. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's, it's, I, I love it. I, I and I think it's so worthwhile. Um, you know, I'll 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 go to five or six events every year, and and I get something out of every single one of them. 
And, you know, it'd be wonderful to, to, to be able to go to every session, every educational session, but we can't always do that. But at least if you come back with one or two really key nuggets of information that, that makes a change in your business, it makes every part of that cost worthwhile. That's my view. Yeah. And, you know, so, so as you know, I'm fairly new to the short-term rental market uh, industry space. And um, so at VRMA, I connected to this another very success, successful lady out of Florida. And she is allowing me to visit her operation in January. That's, so, that's fantastic. That Absolutely. I mean, how great is that, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's, uh, I mean, to me, the, the, you know, networking and collaboration is, is, is what it's all about. And I would encourage everybody to get out and do more of it. So V, you are a top class investor in my eyes. And I would love it if you could give our listeners some tips on what they could do to make a wise short-term rental investment. Yeah. So depend on the investor risk tolerance. Personally, I've always planned for the worst. So, for example, when I look, when I evaluate a property, I always look at uh, what it would rent for per, um, per month on a long-term lease and will it cover all of my costs. If it doesn't, I have to think really hard before I'm making that purchase. So with that said, uh, my tip number one is buy high and sell low. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> I meant buy low and sell high. And most investors don't realize that it costs what, roughly 10% to, to sell a house by the time you pay commissions, closing mm-hmm. costs, and sell a contribution, right? And on the average, a home appreciates about 3% a year. So you, if you do the math, you either buy the home a little less or keep it a little longer. Yeah. It, it, you know, it, it's 10% is pretty, uh, it's a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, I'm, I just wanted to something I wanted to mention earlier on, because you said, you know, the, the, the costs, we talk about the costs. How do you calculate those costs? Because it, did you do it in sort of, it, it's one lump, you know, do you have just variable costs and fixed costs that, you know, obviously you know what your fixed costs are, but how do you calculate those variable costs? You know, when it, when it even comes down to rolls of toilet paper. Okay. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, do, do you yeah. have, do you have for, for each property, do you say, okay, for this property, it's going to cost me this on an annual basis for, for all these variable things like supplies and incidentals that, that of course stand short-term rental out against the very easier way of calculating costs for a long-term rental? Yeah. So we have, you have your fixed cost, which is your PIPI. Right, which is uh, which stands for premium interest tax and insurance. So those are your fixed costs for the property. Okay. And the long term rental, that's all. That's most of most of the time. That's all the cost. Simple math. Your yep. your rent minus your PITI, and that's again stand for premium interest tax and insurance. Okay. You can you can add the the HOA uh, the homeowner association fees to it, but it's usually, most of the time it's small. So your rent minus your PITI, then the difference is your cash flow. Now, in the short term, you also have your short-term insurance, which is a little bit higher than your long-term insurance. And then you got your utility that you have to pay for, cable, internet, utility. And then you have that operating cost, right? Like you said, the linen, towel, toilet paper, supply for the home. 
So I put a percentage, like a small percentage to that. And we're still trying to calculate to see what would be a good percentage. But we normally account about 5% for that, for the operating cost. Mm-hmm. So my goal is this. If my PITI plus utility interest, all of my cost for that property is 2000 per month, right? I am trying to get 3000 in rent. Mm-hmm. Does it make sense? Yeah. So that I have that 1000 over my cost. Yeah. For each of the properties. So that's kind of our goal, our revenue goal. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. It just, it just sort of came, came to my, my mind, you know, I'm think cause I know with my own properties, uh, the, these costs can just add up, you know, out, out of the blue, somebody, you know, child cuts like, in fact, my, um, my granddaughter the other day had a nosebleed in the night and that, that was a complete set of sheets and a mattress cover done. So it can happen just with any rental. So, you know, there are a lot of incidental costs. And I just, you know, for anybody who's, who's sitting out there listening, saying, I've never done this before, but it sounds like a great idea. You've got to factor in all those incidentals and, and perhaps unexpected costs as well. And I think you have a good point because that's actually one of the tips that I'm giving down the line is when you calculate your cost, make sure you don't leave out anything. Right. Because we often overlook and, and then, you know, we, we think that, that, that the investment will work, the number will work, but it's because we have left out some other costs. Yeah. So that is my tip number four is when the numbers doesn't work, don't push it. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I'm I'm preempting you because you went from tip number one to tip number four, <laughs> but that's fine. We'll we'll fill in with two and three. But I love that. Yes, if the numbers don't, if the number, so, so say that again. If the numbers don't work, don't if push. If the it. number don't work, don't push it. Don't push it. I love that. <laughs> okay, what about two and three then? So tip number two is restrictions, right? Make sure you look at restrictions. That's huge. That's going to change your investment strategy and your exit strategy. And that's why that's back to my point of why we always look to see if a property can make sense on the long-term rent. Yeah. Um, because once the restrictions in place, you can always rent it out long-term, but you may or may not be able to sell it right away at a profitable number. Yeah. So restriction is huge. Check restrictions. And that's the first thing we check for for a lot of our properties. So tip number three is location and free parking. I I don't know uh, about you guys, but because of where I, you know, free parking is huge for me. I I do not want my guests to be traveling around, driving around, circling the block, trying to find parking. So whenever we look at a property, we always want to make sure that um, they, they, there's parking available, at least, you know, driveway, garage or something, assigned parking so they can park at least two vehicles. That's, that's um, such a great point. That is such a great point. I went to uh, Tacoma for the Vacation Rental World Summit back in 2019 and we rented a car and we did exactly that. We, we got there. There was no, no parking space, although there was parking within the complex but you know maybe this owner didn't have a spot but or she wasn't willing to to let it um, go to her guests but we probably spent so much time circling around trying to find a parking spot and then walking back and then oh my god i forgot something in the car and i've yeah so i fully agree with you i think a lot of people wouldn't even think about that but it is such a, a such a valid point so thanks yeah thank you for raising that one 
Oh, I'm a spoiled brat. I <laughs> <laughs> I I have to have parking. <laughs> <laughs> so that will take me to tip number five. My homes that you are excited about. Okay. You gotta be able to brag about it. You gotta love it. You gotta wanna say it at you know, the homes. Otherwise what good is it, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes, ab- absolutely. You've got you've got to love it yourself, or else how can you sell that to somebody else? In terms of selling selling a vacation to somebody else, yeah, <laughs> either selling it or marketing it or talking about it. You know, I mean, it's got to give you excitement when you talk about your home. Yeah, yeah. Uh, those, those are those are really great tips because they, they, they get right down in into areas that perhaps people wouldn't be thinking about. And I love your approach, V. I love the fact that you know that to get into this business and to be successful in it, that you have to have that hospitality gene. It, it's, I mean, for me, it doesn't, it just doesn't work without it. I agree with you. A lot of people, when I said I'm getting into the space, the first thing they say was, are you sure? It's like, they call you at midnight when the AC doesn't work. <laughs> what would you do? And I said, well, it is what it is. And you, you take care of it. Yeah. Inter- interesting. We are di- just this morning, we had, we had a call from a guest at a property saying there's no hot water. Our temperature is going to get down to minus 24 centigrade tonight. Oh, wow. Um, that is, you know, just w- with a, with a wind chill of around minus 35 centigrade. Um, so they've got no hot water. They've got some heat, but no hot water. So we find that the caretaker who was going there last night to check everything over and to make sure that the water was working, he had a, a pretty bad car wreck. Um, mm. And at this moment, we don't even know how he is. But wow. you know, but now we have an owner who is desperately upset about her caretaker who's in hospital suffering from this. She can't get up to the property. We are struggling to find somebody to get in there to sort this hot water situation out. And the guests who who really all they want is to be comfortable in their vacation home. Um Yeah. So yes, I mean that that's just one, you know, that and this is just an odd day in December. We are while we're recording this. It could be, if if you multiply that by a dozen or more, if you've got multiple homes, that's what you've got to be able to to, to see yourself dealing with. And it, it's not just a matter of, of, what I say, setting and forgetting, you know, buy it and put it out on Airbnb and have people rolling through. There will always be these issues that you have to deal with. Absolutely. I still remember uh, the night before Thanksgiving, and I was so excited because we had 100% occupancy. So every home was occupied. <laughs> I was so excited. So I said, let's go to the spa. And I kid you not, every five minutes, my phone was beeping <laughs> because somebody needed something. I couldn't get in the code. I don't know how to work the code. I couldn't find a towel, uh, something, something. And anyhow, <laughs> yeah, it was a good problem. Well, you still, we, somebody we, still had to deal with it. Yeah, absolutely. And we, we learn from all these. But yeah, I think that's, that's this great caveat. And I'd say that that's my tip. I'll add in my tip number six. Don't get into this business at all unless you're prepared to to do the hard work. 
Again, talking to Andrew McConnell last week, his his business partner in Rented.com, Cliff Johnson, he was the um, one of the founders of Vicasa. And for anybody who listened to that podcast last week, you'll have heard Andrew telling the story about, um, you know, Cliff, a couple of years into Vacasa, which is now one of the world's biggest property management yeah. companies. And they, they were sharing tales of, of what they did on July the 4th. And Andrew said, you know, I was out on the beach with my family and we were having a wonderful time. And Cliff said, yeah, I was um, fixing toilets. And my wife was out troubleshooting as well. <laughs> so, so, you know, you may come into the business thinking, you know, with these these wild ideas of making huge amounts of money, but you've got to to get it there and, and just be part of, of the, the whole hospitality thing to succeed. Yeah, there, there are many great things. There's many great benefits to, to this. I mean, despite all of that, right? I mean, you, you, you got to, there's always two sides. I mean, you've got to earn it. Yeah. So, yeah. So it's just part of the business. Yeah. Hey, V, we've had a wonderful conversation and I just want to thank you so much for, for, for joining me. I could go on and, and glean so much more information from you and I'm sure we will talk again. Uh, I just want to wish you every success with your business. I can't wait to meet up with you again, see how it's, how it's going. We will get together again at a networking event somewhere near here or near, near there at some point in the future. So it, it's been an absolute pleasure talking with you. Yes. Yes. Likewise. It's really an honor, a pleasure for me to be here. And, and I'm hoping to provide some value to your listener, to the group. And uh, anyone ever have any questions, um, I'm more than happy to help. So thank you so much for having me here. It really is an honor. Oh, that's that's perfect, V. And I will put links to um, reballers.com. So yeah, I, I will put a link on the website to reballers if anybody wants to go and uh, get some more information on V. And of course, if you've got any um, comments you'd like to put on the show notes, ask any, ask her any questions. I'll make sure she comes along and answers them. So V, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Look forward to, to uh, meeting up with you again very soon. Yeah, likewise. Thank you, Heather. Well, thank you so much, V, for joining me. I think that was just information packed for anybody who's out there thinking about making an investment in short-term rental. There is a lot to take in. And and as, as we said, it's far more than just in investing and then sort of setting and forgetting. You cannot do that. And, and I think anyone who goes into this business thinking that it's easy money and you don't have to put the effort into it in terms of the hospitality factor, then, you know, regardless of how many resources there are, resources and apps and outside help there is, outside help and support to create a good business for you, you've got to have skin in the game yourself. Because if you don't, I firmly believe that there's a, a far greater likelihood of small business failure. For, for that type of entrant into the business rather than one who is going to learn it through and through, become operationally efficient, and then perhaps outsource after that. Because you always find that, you know, you're good at something that you love to do. Um, for me, when I, I love to do the marketing in my business, I don't do other things 
I have staff to do that. And, but I've, I've been able to pick the part of the business that I want to be involved in and outsource the rest. However, when we first started out, I did everything. I, I cleaned toilets. I did the laundry. And in that way, you learn to understand the business through and through, and then you understand how your people are experiencing it. So that's just my take. And yeah, you, uh, I'd love to hear from those of you who are thinking about investing or who have invested, making a success of it. Anybody who has done the pivot from, from long-term management to short-term management, uh, let me know. I'd, I'd love to hear from you. And of course, if you've got any question for V, please put them on the show notes. Come along to our Wednesday office hours, which we do on Zoom every week, every Wednesday, 2 p.m. Eastern. We have an hour-long meeting where myself and my business partners, Mike and Jason, who are both digital marketing experts, come along and talk about any aspect of the business. So if you come along, you have a question, you can give us your question. And for 2020 and beyond, what we're going to try and do is bring on as many experts as possible to share their, their expertise with you. So you're sort of getting this free mastermind once a week. Come along, join us. And I know V has been a participant in many of our office hours, and it's great to see her. So I'm hope, hopefully she's going to come along. So if you have a, a question, you can ask her directly. Many of the people who do actually come to the office hours have been on the podcast because that's often where I, I get my resources when I start talking to people, uh, hosts, owners, managers, and learn about their uniqueness. And I think, wow, you'd be great to come and share your story with the audience. So you never know, come and join us on a Zoom meeting and you might just find yourself the next interviewee on the Vacation Rental Success podcast. I'm heading off down south shortly again, going down to Texas for a, for a, few, uh, a few weeks, a few weeks, two months, maybe three. And... I'll be pre-recording a number of these episodes before I go. So if there's anybody you'd particularly like to hear from, please let me know and I'll try and get them on and make sure that uh, we're bringing you the content that you'd like to hear. Please, if you have a moment, please go to iTunes and leave me a review because the more reviews we get, the higher up the rankings we go. It's been a pleasure as ever being with you. If there's anything you'd like to comment on, then join the conversation on the show notes for the episode at vacationrentalformula.com. We'd love to hear from you. And I look forward to being with you again next week.